Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey there, this is Jarek Robbins, author of Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. If you want to learn how to achieve success in your relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Welcome back to another interview on the Build Your Network Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to bring on Jarek Robbins. Jarek is a motivational speaker, a life and success business coach, consultant. He's spoken literally all over the world. I mean, I, I technically am an international speaker, but I've only spoken to uh, people in a couple of different countries. This guy's literally been all over the world and hosted events all over the world. Um, he His mission is one that will truly resonate resonate with you. Um, and he is such a huge believer in that mission that the first time that they threw on all these events all over the world, his company actually lost money because he just wanted to go gung-ho on his mission. And we'll talk about that in this episode. Uh, we also talk about why having nothing is really having everything. We talk about how helping people is one of the best motivators for success. And we talk about how to make sure you provide value as a coach or speaker and instead of being one of those people that are all over the place uh, that don't actually do anything, but they say they coach and help and do all this other stuff. So uh, we cover a lot in this interview, but before we get into that, as most of you know, my network has absolutely exploded in the last year or so. And when people ask me how I've been able to do that, the number one answer is through my podcast. If I didn't start building network, there's no chance I would know as many people as I do now. I highly 
highly recommend starting a show. Um, but if you do it, make sure you do it the right way. Uh, hire a coach, hire somebody that's been there and done that and can walk through the process, which is also something that Jarek and I talk about in today's episode. Um, that is something that I do is help people with their podcast launch monetization strategies. Um, if you head over to buildyournetwork.co slash coaching, you can apply there. I only accept a few people at a time because I don't want anyone lost in the process and it's really time intensive on my part. So I only will be helping 12, uh, 10 people total before I shut the whole thing down. Um, like I said, it's very time intensive, so I cannot do it forever. If it's something that intrigues you or resonates with you at all, head over to buildernetwork.co slash coaching to apply and uh, we will chat soon. And now here is my chat with Jarek Robbins. Jarek, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for coming on today. How is everything in your part of the world? Hey, life is blessed, my friend. Things are good. And thank you for having me. Also, for everyone tuning in, thank you for taking time to listen. I appreciate you investing in us right now. And hopefully, we'll share something that'll help you very much. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll see. Um, so, uh, Jarek, there's so much stuff that, that you and I can talk about and really dive into. But first, since uh, we both want to respect the listener's time as well, let's go ahead and build a little bit of context here uh, before we jump into some of the networking stuff that we really like to talk about here on the show. Tell us about eight-year-old Jarek. What was it like growing up? And you know, tell me about that different part of the life. Sure. So I don't know what was going on specifically at eight years old. Uh, well, I can't tell you. And remember little bits and pieces that were, were kind of fun and interesting. Number one, I, I remember going to school as a little kid and my grandpa used to drive us in, in his truck and we would sing songs all the way to school. I, I remember being told a story on my first day of school that my grandma and mom left me off. Uh, everything was good. But then when they looked in the rear view mirror as they were pulling out of the parking lot, I somehow sprinted and ran down the car hopped on the bumper and was cruising <laughs> back out of school on the back of the car, which originally they obviously stopped and took me back <laughs> to school and made sure the gate was locked this time when they left me. Apparently I was a fast child who could run down a car at a small age. Um, I remember for some reason, my dad being very frustrated when my mom enrolled me in tap dancing lessons with my little cousins. <laughs> so I had a black leotard and I was learning how to yes. tap, toe, heel, toe, heel, tap together, clap or some stuff like that. And that has really carried you throughout the rest of your career, that, right? That's where everything spawned from right there, <laughs> learning how to move those feet right. And if you fast forward even more, just little random things that happen. I spent a lot of time with my family, a lot of times with my little cousins who were all near and dear to me. And, and as all these little bits and pieces came together, you know, if I looked back at myself, I was a, a pretty normal kid. I, I, you know, if you fast forward into high school, I was in the beginning of high school, five foot nine, 225 pounds, uh, which is a rather large child. <laughs> five, nine, 225 is not a small child. That's for sure. Yeah, like I, I immediately got picked up for the football team. They were like, oh, you're a good blocker. And I was like, I don't know how to block and I've never played football, but sure. And so I ended up playing football, wrestling, basketball was my jam all through middle school. Yes. And, and so my thing was, I remember in 10th grade, a girl calling me at 10 o'clock on a Friday and I picked up the phone and she goes, do you want to go to a party? And I just remember staring at the phone and then literally out loud saying, 
are you insane? I have basketball in the morning. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> so obviously I wasn't the ladies man at that stage. Um, I, had, I had other priorities. I had an extra large cheese pizza, my, my Scotty Pippen jersey on, you know, some Coca-Cola and, and mentally preparing for the game in the morning. Hey, you know what? That sounds like a fantastic night to me. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I don't know. I don't know about anybody listening, but that audit that that sounds like sounds like a great Friday night. Really does. <laughs> and, um, and so th- something that happened though is is midway through high school, I remember sitting down. And, and getting serious about my goals, really trying to figure out who I was. And, and after writing out my goals, mentally conditioning myself, starting to listen to self-help programs, reading books about this kind of stuff. I remember I went from a B and C student to a straight A student that next year. Mm-hmm. I went from 5'9", 225 pounds, and I grew as part of being youth, 6'3", 6'4", and I dropped down to 200 pounds. So I was more lean and muscular at this stage. Uh, I remember I started to perform better in sports, perform better at, at school, mentally feel better. And, and I remember trying to get all my friends to do it too and be like, come on, come on, we got to do this together. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Right. If you fast forward where we've all ended up, they've all done wonderful in their own ways. But pretty much everything I started to map out back then has, has in some way, shape or form turned into reality over these last so many years. Hmm. And, and so that was a starting point back in high school where in my last couple of years of high school, I'd get up at 5.30 in the morning and I would go outside and do my run in the morning while thinking about all the things I'm grateful for, all the things I'm excited about, my future vision for my life, using my affirmations and incantations prior to then getting in the car and driving to school campus to go to football practice at six in the morning, to then work out with the team, to then go to school, and then after school, come home and, and you know spend a little bit more time visualizing and mentally rehearsing the results I really want, hmm. besides studying and hanging out with friends. And so I, I started that process probably in 
11th or 12th grade, probably 11th. Yeah. So you say, you say that you've, you say that you've kind of done a lot of the things that were on those lists that you wrote out when you were 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Um, what were a few of those things? I'm just curious because you, you say, you know, I, I was a pretty normal kid in most ways, but the, what you do now, like your, what you've turned into a career is obviously not a normal career path, right? So, so did you have these desires when you were in high school and then you really worked on them to, for the, until they came to fruition? How did that all come about? Good question. So, so I'll give you some insight. When I was in high school, every morning when I'd get ready, MTV music videos were the jammy jam. They were on every morning. And I thought the coolest one I've ever seen was a video called Hypnotized by Biggie Small and P. Diddy. And I remember watching this video thinking, someday I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have access to that kind of life. It's cool. And there's like yachts and helicopters and motorcycles and, and a Hummer and then Mercedes and like all this fancy stuff. And I'm like, oh man, that just looks so cool. And that, you know, at that stage of my life, those are things that I wanted to experience. Fast forward, I remember a couple years into college, I, I did a trip called Semester at Sea, took a lap around the world, fell in love with East Africa, decided to move back there and v- live in a village, a rural farming village, no running water, electricity, or toilets, teaching organic farming for a few months. And while I was there, got malaria twice. And, and, and the second time I was sitting there, one of my lungs started, stopped, started to stop working. I remember going to the hospital, having to go through 11 of the worst days of my life with vertigo. You put food in one entrance and, and it shot out all entrances 10 seconds later, like nothing really worked well. It was a horrible experience. But I remember in that moment, there was a huge reset on my nervous system of what was actually important. And, and the cars and the jets and the, the traveling and like all this, the money and the girls and all that stuff that seemingly was so important prior to that moment. I was like, damn, a breath in my lungs is the coolest thing in the world right now. If I, I could just have a breath in my lungs every day, life is going to be good. Right. You know, like if, like if I could eat something without an exit, yeah. that'd be awesome. If I could eat something. I, I mean, I went from 210 pounds all the way down to 180 pounds in about seven, 10 days there at the hospital. It was oh bad. Gosh. And muscle was eating itself away. Like I was having trouble moving. It was, it was not fun. And, and this was during college or this was after your... Actual- this was probably this was my would be my first semester junior year of college because i had a year and a half left to finish once i got back okay yeah that you know i was doing some preparation for this interview and reading through a lot of the things that you've done and i I find that travel is probably probably the most transformative experience for me so far has just been traveling around to different places and getting to know different cultures and perspectives and different things like that. And I know that you refer back to this as a huge changing moment for you. What, what do you think that is? Like, why, why do you think that that really gets into us when we go experience other things and cultures? And obviously with you getting going through this like malaria and these, these horrible physical things led to a little bit more change as well in a, in a more uh, exponential way. But why do you think that is? Like, how, how can we duplicate that if we're not traveling all over the place? Um, well, first off, you can travel. I mean, get in a car and drive five blocks or 10 blocks or walk, you know, take a bus two hours in one direction. You'll, you'll find a place you've never been before hmm. and, and you'll learn about new people. You'll learn about a new way of life. In most cities, uh, there's always a part of town that either you're not supposed to go to or you're supposed to be careful when you're in it. Go there and meet people. You know, go there and volunteer and help out and make a difference in someone's life. And it doesn't have to be an underprivilege. I mean, it could be going to the nicest part of town and helping people for the day. Sweep, you know, just be nice and get to know them. 
Hmm. Uh, could be going to the poorest part of town for the day and helping out and getting to know people. It could be going to just a different part of town that you've never been to and helping people. But, but if you get out of your space and you go help someone you've never met, it could be going to the hospital and finding people who you know, are terminally ill. I have a good friend named Kayla Haber who, who was born with cystic fibrosis, someone I've met recently and been talking to a lot. She inspires the hell out of me. And, and she had a double lung transplant. It oh didn't go so well. She went back to the hospital. They said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And we also asked all the other hospitals not to help you because there's nothing we can do as a medical profession. Sorry, go in hospice and die. She went home, wrote a hundred letters to a hundred different hospitals asking for help. Four said they might be able to help. One eventually took her in UCLA, a beautiful group of people. Uh, they did a second double lung transplant. Everything was going good until fluid started to go into her heart a couple of weeks ago. They had to do an open heart surgery to drain her heart just a week ago. And, and she's a freaking champion. She's positive. She's focused. She's inspired. She has a community of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. She helps inspires and stay connected with each other and support each other. And I, I think in traveling, even if you went to your local hospital and went and met someone like Kayla, hmm. you'd walk away going, holy crap, my wife's a, my life is amazing. Right, right. <laughs> Thank God I can breathe. Thank God my heart's not filled with water. Thank God I'm not struggling with this kind of stuff right now. Hmm. And instantly your perspective changes. Yeah. I hear people all the time, um, good people, good intentions, just radically misunderstand. They, they go to different parts of the world and they say, I see these people with nothing, but they seem to be so happy. And I would say, stop right there. Nothing. Describe nothing to me. Right. Are they healthy? Yeah. Is their heart beating? Yeah. Can they see? Yeah. Can they breathe? Yeah. Do they have family and friends and community around them? Yeah. Are they loved? Yeah. So what's nothing? They seem to have everything. Hmm. If you're looking at the most important majors of life. Right. Right. What now, they might not have the stuff that we've been conditioned to believe is, quote unquote, everything we're supposed to aspire to. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, all that stuff can t- get torched like many people's houses were just in Southern California not too long ago. Mm-hmm. All that stuff can burn to the ground and you realize, oh my God, I have everything I need. I have my family. I have love. I'm healthy. We're happy. We survived. Oh my God, we have everything. And so sometimes it takes everything being literally burnt to the ground for us to realize what's really most important. It's, it's your health, your happiness, your love, your community. It's, it's the majors of life. Hmm. Tell us how we can learn to work more on the internal while continuing to work on the external. Because I, I asked I ask that question that way because I, I find that a lot of people either do one or the other, right? Like they're like, oh, you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need any of those. You know, you don't need the trips or the cars or the, the boats or whatever. You, all you need is just you and your family. And while I completely understand that, having the other stuff doesn't it's not intrinsically bad or evil and it doesn't cause unhappiness, right? So, so for, for a lot of the people listening to this, a lot of entrepreneurial type people who have big goals and aspirations and dreams, very similar, similar to yourself, how do you continuously work on those external things while never losing track of the thing that matters the most, which is the inside? Sure. So I'll start with a quote. And, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact words, but I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they realize it ain't it. Hmm. Jim, Jim was good with this one. I love it. And it's true. And if you look at this, I have a friend recently. Let me see if I can find her post real quick. She talks about this whole concept. She's extremely popular online. All of her videos she posts gets millions and millions of views. 
And she wanted to move from her hometown to Los Angeles to literally become famous and even more of an icon in the industry and all this other jazz. And, and she wrote this little thing on Instagram the other day. It says, the things I learned this year. I don't care about being super fancy for the sake of being fancy. I like what I like. $60 purse, $6,000 purse still carries my stuff. All the followers in the world don't matter if the people you care about aren't healthy and happy. Most events suck and are full of people taking pics of themselves, and I feel super lonely there. Most internet gurus are full of shit. Being hot is a useless skill if it intimidates people into treating you, into treating you weird. Uh, I don't want to be famous. I don't like it. I'm not a zoo animal. I want to connect with people, be real, have fun, and not on some strange pedestal. Not famous, just a lot of friends I haven't met yet. And when you look at this concept, she got everything she wanted when she moved there, and then she realized it ain't it. <laughs> hmm. right. And it doesn't mean, it, and trust me, I, I say that all the time. People go, well, shit, I'd sort of like to find out myself. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, um, let me explain it this way. If I hit you in the face with a hammer, it's going to hurt. Anyone who responds back, well, shit, I'd sure like to find out myself, might be a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just saying yeah, there's right. proof from many other people that if a hammer strikes your face, it will hurt. And you're like, right. well, bring it on, buddy. I yeah. need to know myself. <laughs> now, there's some of us during a learning stage called childhood that tempt these offers where it's like, honey, don't put your hand on the stove. It's hot. And we're like, okay, mom, <laughs> it's hot. And she's like, I told you. And, and we have to learn by our own experience. Some of us are a little, I don't know if that's slow or excited or curious, yeah, but there's yeah. something going on that we just have to touch and find out. But, but how do you build an amazing life with, with all the gizmos and gadgets and widgets and things and money and whatever else you want to pile on top of it? How do you do that? You need to do it on a stable foundation. And, and a stable foundation is the ability to answer three questions. Number one, or, and, or I'm just going to say the ability to say three statements with total confidence and total congruency in your nervous system, meaning you can say it, you believe it's true, and you feel it's totally right and authentic within your nervous system. Number one, I'm enough. I am enough as a human being. Just showing up, breathing. Not what I do, not my job, not my career, not how many people I've helped or how much money I made or any way else we gauge if we're enough or not. Just me breathing right now in this moment without doing a damn thing, I am enough. Number two, I have enough. This is going to sound weird because people who want more tend to feel like they don't have enough. You got to get to a place where you go, wow, I have enough. You know, living in that village was me learning, if I reflect back, how to realize I have more than enough. If I have my heartbeat, if I have a breath in my lungs, if I can communicate and have a community around me of caring and people that I can support and they can support me, if we can go find food every day, keyword, go find food every day, if we can go gather water every day. I had to walk a quarter mile down the road to fill a bucket full of water to drag that thing home and boil it for 30 minutes just to have sanitary drinking water. You know, food, I had to walk couple miles down the road to find a market and see what they had to eat that day. There was no like, oh, I'll just go there and get this because it's always there. I mean, imagine if you go to the, the market and you're like, well, I wonder what kind of food they'll have today. I don't know. It depends on what was available and what they could gather and bring to this, you know, this place at this time. You don't know. Sometimes you're lucky and you get a fish. Sometimes you don't. It's like that type of living. When you get into that type of living, you know, for most of us in most parts of the world, including major cities all over Africa, which are beautiful, thriving econ you know, economies and beautiful places, 
They're very well developed, incredible places. The villages are still developing, but a lot of the major cities are, are just like New York or LA or anywhere else you'd go. The, most of us haven't had to live that way. So most of us have way more than enough. We just don't see it that way because we've been trained by society to think that we have to have more or do something different than we're already doing to finally, quote unquote, have enough. So I am enough. I have enough. The final one is I'm loved enough. I'm loved enough. Now, that's a big one for a lot of people because people tell me all the time, Jarek, you don't understand. Where I grew up, I didn't grow up in a loving household. I didn't have people who showed me love. I didn't know what love was or, or dang it, I got socked in the face every day. I have a friend every single day for 17 years, watched his dad beat the tar out of his mom. Not only that, when he got old enough and strong enough, he got pissed and started getting in front of the punches himself. So he used to get the tar kicked out of him every day. And at 17 years old, that dad got arrested and put in prison for attempted murder on him and his mom. They're like, oh boy, like this guy has all the stories in the world to be like, I don't know what love is. I didn't grow up around love. Yeah, I mean, wow. everyone would be like, we totally feel you, bro. Like we understand. Yeah. Right, and right. everyone's going to argue that. Fast forward, about a year ago, he has a wild life, but a year ago, he got invited to do a sting operation to go save 30 young girls who were kidnapped and put into sex slavery. Wow. Nine, 10, 12-year-old little kids. That's incredible. Part of him was like, you know, I worked really hard. I've got my own kids. I got a family. I got a business. Life's good. Like, why do I got to go risk my life for some kid? Like, can I just write a check? Can I donate? (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know what? If I say no, some part of me is saying it's okay. Hmm. And that's not okay. He says, I'm in. Let me know when and where I'll be there. Him and a group of other people got together. They went and did a sting operation, got these people arrested. And, and they busted into this place. There was 30 kids tied up, chained, and, and handcuffed to beds being used for $60 on the hour. And they freed all these kids. He sat at the end of the bed when all the kids were, were taken away and they're safe and, and cared for. And he just had tears streaming down his face. And he realized, looking back, that if all those years, he didn't learn how to take a punch for someone else, he would have never known how to stand up for someone right now at this point in his life. He looked back and said, that was a real messed up version of love I learned as a kid. Wow. But I learned how to be fiercely strong for others through it. And all that junk he had to live through as a kid that he would wish on no one prepared him for the moment that he could be there for someone else in this capacity. And when he looked back, he realized, you know what? I'm loved. And where the love started was his ability to look himself in the mirror and say, I love you and mean it, and feel it. And because he could fill himself up with love every day, he had the capacity to then share it not only with his own kids, but with these kids who he didn't even know. Incredible, incredible story. So, so I am enough, I have enough, and I'm loved enough. Is this something that, that you spend time on on a daily basis to remind yourself of, or is it just kind of always in the back of your mind? Is it on purpose? Like how, how do you like for, for somebody out there listening that, and just going like, man, I've never spent any time doing any of this stuff. Like I've never really dealt with this stuff on the inside before. How do I get started? What would be your advice to them? Check in, write down the three phrases, zero to 10 or negative 10, the positive 10. Where are you? Some people are like negative 10. <laughs> Right. I don't close to even neutral. And this, like, I'm loved enough. Nope. Negative 10. I hate myself. They're like, okay, shit. We got to do some work. Hmm. 
And so if you need to do some work on that, you got to ask yourself a question. What has to happen for me to go from negative 10 to negative five? Let's inch it up five points. What do I have to believe about myself? How do I have to choose to show up in this world? What kind of person do I have to congruently and consistently be every day? My actions, what do my actions need to be every day for me to say, you know what? I'm not a negative 10. I don't hate myself. I'm a negative five right now. Uh, Some days I struggle. It's like, oh, that's totally different. What has to happen to go from a negative five to a zero neutral? No, I'm indifferent. Some days I, I like myself, some days I don't, but I'm indifferent, zero neutral. What has to happen to get to a zero? What do your actions have to be? What do your beliefs have to be? How do you have to, what kind of feelings, emotions do you have to pour into your body every day to, to get to a zero neutral? From a zero, let's jump up to a positive two, then a five, then a six, then a seven, then eight, then nine, and a 10. And eventually you get to a place where that person, so many weeks, days, or months later, looks themselves in the mirror and goes, damn. I love myself. I'm a good human. I, I'm congruent with my word. I'm a man or woman of, of what I, my word, I, what I say is what I do. I tell myself to wake up at this time, I get up at this time. I tell myself to go do something kind, I do something kind. And then when you start layering in, what are the habits that actually get those results done? If you want to be more happy, scientifically proven, do a volunteer act once a week, two hours ideally. So go volunteer somewhere. Write down every day, three great things that happen today. Capture it in a journal, physically write it down. Uh, go exercise for 30 minutes every day. Meditate for 10 minutes a day. All these things are scientifically proven to overall improve your happiness and satisfaction with life. Hmm. If you want more mental resilience and emotional fortitude, take a three-minute ice-cold shower every single morning. Google Wim Hof breathing and learn how to do Wim Hof breathing. It'll learn how to stimulate the fight-or-flight experience without having to do any of the negative consequences. There's all kinds of physical things we can show people how to do to activate the healthiest, healthiest, strongest, and most fulfilled version of themselves. One of which is what you, you're all about here on this podcast, which is building a powerful network. Hmm. It's an absolute key difference to, to being resilient and emotionally have that emotional fortitude to push forward in life is you need a powerful peer group. You need a support system around you. If you look at the blue zones of people who live over 100 years old, all of them have a supportive peer group around them if they live that long. They have to. Otherwise, without the peer group, you feel lonely and alone sometimes, and then you do silly things. And sometimes you make a permanent decision on a temporary feeling, and that's not a great idea. So with bringing up this uh, networking relationship building aspect, um, where, where do you think that you would be, Jarek, had you not invested so much time into the relationships that you have in your life? I don't know. I'm, I like people, so I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't imagine my world not being filled with people. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, we were just up in Colorado, I think a day or two ago, and we were talking to friends who have this ranch where they rescue horses and, and the hundred acre ranch next door to them is for sale. And my wife and I are looking into buying it so that we can help them rescue more horses and then possibly start a foster care program where we could take children whose parents made interesting decisions or, or they just landed up in an interesting life situation. We can bring them in and, and help them learn how to heal with the horses at the same time. Hmm. And so I, I don't think caring about people and being around people, I've been volunteering and helping kids, people since literally I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was, you know, dad got me into it. My mom got me into it. Uh, when I was very little, there's, there's pictures of me taking baskets to homeless people when I was a little tiny, tiny guy, like less than waist high. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's pictures of me taking flowers to people at the elderly center with my mom when I was a little, little bigger, you know, junior high or sixth grade. Um, so I've, I've always been volunteering and helping and, and they got me started and they te- taught me how to do these things without them knowing 
the positive psychological, emotional, and life building that comes with it. Yeah. Would you classify yourself as an extrovert then? Or do you think that it was something that was just, just, you know, bred in you from a young age? Um, for the most part, if you talk to people who know me really well, they're like, dude, you're either the quietest person in the room or the most talkative person in the room. It depends on what room. <laughs> it's a situational extrovert, maybe. That's right. Yeah. Um, cause I can stand up in front of a crowd of 10,000 people and get them fucking rocking and teach them how to do all kinds of cool stuff for their life. Mm-hmm. And, and I can sit in a room and, and not say a word for five hours and just listen and hear everybody. And mm-hmm. that's not me not talking. That's me listening and experiencing everybody that's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you've done an experience so much already, man. Like, and what are you 34, like 35, something like that, right? 34. 34. Yeah. So what, what's, what's next for you right now? Like what, what's got you really stoked? What's got you excited right now? I mean, we have a very simple mission. It's to help the people that need it most at the moment they need it with the message they need. Uh, we don't know who they are, where they are, what they need, but every day we push out good thoughts in, in hopes to reach them. And, and we do this for all of our platforms. It's a very simple mission, but we succeed at it every day. And, and we're blessed to receive little messages and notes from all over the world every single day of people saying, hey, I needed this, or wow, that really helped me, or holy crap, this changed my life, or thank you so much. It you know, inspired me to keep going. Um, I, I think through our books and programs and all that jazz, uh, someone asked me, are you successful? And I said, of course I'm successful. And they're like, well, define your success for us. And I said, you know, when I got a letter from a United States Air Force airman who was overseas, came back with post-traumatic stress disorder, felt like killing herself, had her firearm in her mouth for you know every other night for a couple weeks. Um, someone recommended my book to her. She read it and she wrote me a beautiful letter saying that it helped her find her reason to live again. Hmm. And I said, oh. yeah, I'm wildly fucking successful because <laughs> my book saved that woman's life and hopefully many more. Hey, let's talk, talk about that for a second. So you're author of Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. What, what are a few of the key principles that you're trying to get across to people in this book? Uh, the book's really simple. It's, it's a reflection of a 10-year period of my life when I was trying to figure out who the heck I was and what I was going to do with my life. And so for people in that position, uh, whether you're a young person trying to figure out, whether you're a midlife person who's recalibrating, what the heck am I going to do now? Or you're an older person about to retire and figure out, shoot, what do I do from here? Anytime you're in that recalibration period, it's a wonderful asset and tool to use. And so chapter one is really just simply defining what's your absolute ideal day? What does your perfect day look like? Meaning if you could have your day that way, you couldn't think of anything better. Once you have that ideal day vision, chapters two through 10, I think two through 11, is how to turn that vision into reality. And, and most of it is hardback scientific type tools. Some of it, a few, few pages in there, is, is pseudoscience. It's just stuff that worked for me. Hmm. And, and hopefully it works for you. And, and if it does, great. If it doesn't, throw it away. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, this helped me. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, people call me on, they're like, that's pseudoscience. I'm like, yeah, no shit, but it works. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, and if it helps you, bless your soul. If it doesn't, I don't. I mean, my feelings aren't hurt. I'm just paying forward what worked. Right. And then the last chapter is saying, hey, now that you've turned your ideal day vision into reality, how do you then turn your ideal life vision into reality? So how do you map out the next 5, 10, 20 years of your life and do the exact same thing to bring that one day to reality to now bring that 5 and 10, 20 year vision to life as well? Hmm. They say the best way to learn something is to teach it. 
What did you learn by writing that book? That I don't love writing books. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the only book then. (laughs) I think there'll be more only because I don't like the process of writing the book, but I love the result of of people reading it and and having their own life changes and and (laughs) hearing all the beauty it reaches to people in the world. So I, I do like making video courses and other things. So those are a lot more fun and a lot, I'm going to say easier for hmm. maybe they still take a lot of effort and time and energy to do them right. But, but it's beautiful to train people. And, and, you know, I, I guess lessons, if I look through all the things in there that we wrote about and talked about at that stage of my life, real, the realization of from the front end of a house for, you know, I had a, a couple hundred dollar a month rent. I had a curtain as a door. I was living literally in the front end of a house. I had three other wonderful roommates and, you know, they used to tease me and laugh at me because in my little den, I had my bed, my freaking Ikea closet because I didn't have an actual closet in there. I had my work shelf with all my work stuff. I had a little leaning desk, a trampoline, and my dresser all shoved in this little tiny den. <laughs> and from that little den, I envisioned I was going to have this amazing business. I was going to be helping people all over the world. I was going to be traveling and speaking. I was going to be you know, changing people's lives and making X amount of money and doing all these things. And, and I can say we'll be 10 years in, in my private practice of, of, of one-on-one coaching just this February coming up, 10 years in business. And we've had our ups and downs certainly over the years, but we've, we've done it. And now we've really mastered how to run the business, how to make it into an actual business and not just a private practice. 50% year, oh, wow. to, year to date. So we're 50% wow. ahead of last year. That's fantastic. Yeah. We're, I mean, we've had some months this year. Let me open up my... Thing that tracks our numbers. And, and we, we've, you know, my, my study first was personal development. Let's see. So our January was 55% ahead of last year. February was 38%. March had 165% ahead of last year. Other months between 91%, 25, 12, 60, 48. We had one month this year that in reality, we were ahead it just came through um, bank wires instead of credit card transfers. So mm. one okay. month shows negative six, but that's not true. I tell my brain uh, because <laughs> funds in other places. Uh, let's see. October we were one hundred fourteen percent. Last month we were seventy eight percent. This month we're currently fifty percent growth as of last year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So with that though, if we look back, what helped us get there was the last five years of studying business every day. And not just like we, I grew up studying personal development. I spent five years studying love and relationships, which is my favorite topic in the world before I met my wife, preparing to have a beautiful relationship. I spent the last five years with her studying business every day and applying it and seeing results. What, what do you think the number one driver was? Like, was there something that you guys specifically did to say, we're going to grow by X amount this year by doing this? Or do you think that your work is really just kind of catching on and, and you're getting a lot of people spreading the word about you and what you're doing because you're actually changing lives or maybe a combination of the two of them? Sure. So, so my business mentor, he gave me my favorite analogy, which is if you're in the cockpit of a plane, you have to know what your key drivers are. Meaning... If you don't know that when you push the joystick forward, the plane's going to go down, and when you pull it, it's going to go up, you're going to be in trouble if you're going 500 miles an hour at 30,000 feet. Hmm. You got to know what that does. Most of us are running businesses, and we have no clue what the buttons and levers do. So we're just hoping, praying, 
and, and thinking we get some good luck every now and then when things work out and our stuff gets traction and, oh my gosh, people love me because look, the numbers are up. They finally get it. And, and that's not business. That's, that's, I don't even know what it is. It's hoping that everything yeah. works out with your fingers crossed. It's, it's like gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not the best idea in the world. And right. so what, what happened was we sat down a few years ago and we learned what our buttons and levers are. We learned what our key performance indicators are. We learned which things cause which results. And when we pull this lever, we get that result. When I pull it 50 times, I get 50 results on the other end. It's like, oh my gosh, now we know literally we want to grow the business. We got to pull that lever 50 times. We've got to push this button 100 times. And we've got to do that one thing three times. And then bingo, we see growth. Um, business is pretty simple once you get it. But most of us, we're so passionate about what we're doing. And, and don't get me wrong, let me fast forward. Before I learned this stuff five years ago and started applying it, I had a year where I went out and I wanted to transform the world with my beautiful passion and art of trying to change people's lives. I did 20 events all over the world. We did Australia, um, Tokyo, London, up in Scandinavia. We did Central America. We did all over the US, New York, LA. Florida, all over, across Canada. We did 20 events all over the world. We made more money than we've ever made in the business. We were like, whoa, look how much we made. And my accountant sat me down at the end of the year and said, pal, let me explain this to you. If you would have sat home and stared at the wall all year and done nothing, not a single call, not a single event, nothing, you'd be about $40,000 richer than you are today. <laughs> it's like, how rude. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, now here's the lack of intelligence. Yeah. What does that mean? He says, well, you made a ton of money. I'm like, we made a ton of money. Look at the numbers. He's like, yeah. And you spent all of it plus some. I was like, oh, he's like, this is bad business. And I was like, well, what the heck is good business? And I had to go learn. That sparked the whole study. I'm going to go practice learning what good business is. Hmm. I'm going to learn how to read my P&L. I'm going to learn how to determine what's going on in my business. I, I can, if you send me your P&L, I can tell you exactly what's going on in your business. And I don't even have to know anything about your business. Hmm. But I had to learn how to read the scoreboard. I had to learn what that means. I had to learn how to know if I'm winning or losing. I had to learn how to determine how to shift it in my direction. You know, if someone here is listening in an entrepreneurial spirit, you own your business or have a self-practice or whatever, work for a big company. Um, I did this with a lawyer from a top law firm in London. His goals, he said he wanted to leverage himself. They're not working all the time. And I said, what do you want to do in your spare time? He said, I'd love to do cases for charity who can't afford my work, but I'd love to be able to help them. I said, okay, why don't you do that right now? He's like, because I need the money. I said, okay, why don't we invest in investment property or something? He's like, I don't have the money to invest. I said, oh, that's a bunch of bull. I said, watch this. Pull out, pull out your P&L for the last whatever. Pull it out for the end of the year. You know, When your accountant sends you a P&L for the year, pull it out. Take a red highlighter, a yellow highlighter, and a green highlighter. Green highlighter, everything that has to be there has to be there. You cannot take it off. It has to be there. Yellow, eh, we could get rid of it, but you like it. So you might keep it. You might not, but it's 50-50. You don't really need it. You just like it. Red, why the bleep are we still paying this? <laughs> and what the heck is that? Why is that even on there? What, who, so who, who's in charge of not that being there? <laughs> right, right. That feeling. After he did it, this gentleman on his individual P&L had 50000 a month in the red. Oh my goodness. He looked at it and he's like, why the heck am I paying any of this? 50,000 a month. 
I told him, I'm like, you could buy a small investment property every month, cash, <laughs> 50 grand a month. You could probably find one somewhere or every other month, buy a hundred thousand a month cash flow property. And every, every other month, you could buy six a year, cash, yeah. paid wow. off 100%. What are you doing? He's like, oh, well, you see, the thing is, I just didn't know. Most people, most people instantly can get 10 to 30% of their profit back instantly. It's the first thing we do when we do business consulting. And you know, we'll have people invest and then we'll come in, have them do the highlighters and say, there, we just paid for ourselves. <laughs> oh man. So it sounds like for you, it was huge to hire your business coach, right? And then now you right. help other people kind of do the same thing uh, because of how much it helped you. How, how crucial is it? Like how, how crucial have you know, coaches, mentors, masterminds, different things like that. How have building strategic relationships like that, even with paying for them, how have those really helped you move the needle in your business? So I'll, I'll put a caveat in here. After five years of studying, learning, practicing, and applying, then we started helping people with it. Right. Which means four years would be my bachelor's. Fifth year now would be my first year into my my master's. And as of next year, six, six or seven years, I'd be a full-blown master's degree in this concept. Hmm. Most of us, or I, I can't say most, many people, many of these beautiful humans, which I've done this before, you go read a book, <laughs> you put up a website, call yourself a coach and start doing consulting. This is a really bad idea. What are you talking about? I've never seen anybody do that. <laughs> never. Not once. <laughs> I, I went to the gym. I had a trainer. He worked me out once and I uh, slapped up personal trainer on a website. Now I'm going to work you out just like he worked me out. Right. Now, if you did that, you'd get sued and put in jail because it's illegal and you need a certification. <laughs> Luckily for all these awesome humans who pull this off right now, coaching has not been completely put into the space where the government's regulating it yet. Mm -hmm. I think it will be soon because of all the chaos that's happening, but it's not there yet. Therefore, anyone who can call themselves a coach. I know network marketers who are somehow coaches. I know uh, direct sales reps. I know therapists who are now coaches. I'm like, dude, you went to school for how many years and you'd rather call yourself a coach? <laughs> you have a literal degree. You have a legal accreditation by the state of whatever that says you are a pro. Why the hell would you call yourself a coach? I'm a coach. I got nothing wrong with it. I started off and I spent the last 16 years coaching people. Yeah, And after 15 years or 14 years of coaching people, I decided to train other coaches in everything that's worked for 14 years. <laughs> yeah, I also know that people who train coaches because they had a coach. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world are they doing? And, <laughs> and I think we live in a weird world right now where people are so money hungry because they don't feel like they have enough. Hmm. They're so love hungry and ego hungry because they don't feel like they're loved enough that they're willing to do all this crazy stuff just so they can look famous and go look. And hopefully people will give them enough love and then they're like, then I'll feel all the love I really desire. And in reality, they just don't love themselves. You know, in reality, they're like, oh, if I can just get all that money and I, and I can look like whoever, Instagram famous with my, my rented car in the garage, then boom, then, then I'm really going to feel like I have enough. And then you talk to people who have all that, feel freaking empty. Right. Right. You're like, well, what do you be? And I, was, I interviewed someone earlier today who's in wealth management. She used to work for this older billionaire man who's one of the richest people in the world. And this guy's got billions of dollars. 
He's at the Sun Valley Conference, which is a, a prestigious conference that only the wealthiest in the world fly into. And he's sitting on the runway with this sad look on his face. And she looked at him and said, what's wrong? He's like, you know, I worked so hard. And, I, and I, yeah, you know, I, I like my jet, but that Zuckerberg kid got the new one. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> guy stayed on the on the runway with jet envy and and she's looking at him she's like sir you're a billionaire shape your shit up and let's go <laughs> like, what's wrong with you but it's the feeling of feeling like you don't have enough and it doesn't right. go away once you have a lot hmm. having enough is the day you look yourself in the eyes and say listen if I've got a breath in my lungs and my heart's beating great, I've got enough. Doesn't mean I'm not going to go for the sky and back. Doesn't mean I'm not going to try to be the next, you know, Jeff Bezos or whoever the hell you, you want to be when you grow up and make bazillions of dollars. Good for you. <laughs> go get it. But please get there with a smile on your face and a glow in your soul that says, hey, this is just for fun. I'm just seeing what's possible. I already know I have enough. If my breath is in my lungs, and my heart's beating and I can see and feel and I got a good community around me. I'm healthy, happy, strong, and fulfilled. I have more than enough. This is just me kicking around life and seeing what I could do. And so much awesome stuff here, man. I, it's so tough with these interviews. You just kind of want to keep going and going, especially when you're having a good time and talking about awesome things. Um, but we are running out of time. And I always ask this question before we move on to the last segment here. Um, so I want to hear your take on it. Who you know or what you know, Jarek? Which one is more important and why? Um, I'd say both. If you need open heart surgery and you're not a surgeon, I, I would say who you know. If you know that surgeon, it'll change your life. If you're out in the middle of the woods and, and you fall and break your leg, I'm going to say what you know is about to change your life. <laughs> hmm. yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and or save your life. So situationally, I think it depends on, on what's going on. Um, and, and I think both are very, very useful. If in modern day, if you're living in a major city and you're trying to quote unquote be successful in business, most likely who you know is going to help you more than what you know, hmm. because they can help you connect dots and learn what's needed. Um, if you're living in a rural area and it's just you by yourself out there in the middle of the mountains, what you know is either going to save your life or kill you. Um, so it, it, I would say it's situational and probably the, the more interdependent city or company or organization, the more it's about who instead of what. Uh, the more you're independent on your own in your own space, it's more about what than who. Love it, man. Very well said. Let's go ahead and move on here to the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions and some quick random answers. Ready? Let's do it. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Um, I think the next thing we're going to do is buy a 100-acre ranch and, and we're going to do a horse rescue. We're going to do a, a foster care child system there. And then we're going to also open up a, a yoga and retreat center as long as a high, and a high-performance physical training center for top athletes and then mix in a boardroom for business growth training. So it's kind of what I do already. Uh, just in physical form and, and on a hundred acre ranch instead of just over Zoom calls and Skype and phone. If you could sit on a park bench with somebody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I'd probably just hang out with my mom and dad and talk with them because I love them. How do you like to consume content? Books, blogs, podcasts, audiobooks, or videos? In, in order, most often, books and then audiobooks and 
is most often what I, what I consume personally. Do you have a book that you most often recommend and an audio book that you most often recommend that would be separate? Um, what topic? Um, let's do anything in business or personal development. Sure. So business, um, the best broad book for business would be The Road Less Stupid hmm. by Keith Cunningham. It, it'll change your life, um, change your business principles as well. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So wake up, meditation, stretching, gratitude, physical workout, sauna, uh, affirmations, incantations, and I think that's it. About how long does that take you typically? Uh, the shortest time I can do it is about 15 minutes. Uh, longest, if I have the time, is an hour and a half. What is your go-to pump-up song? I like musical scores. Hmm. So the Bumblebee song from the Transformers movie. You got it's it. Just yeah. Like, it's nice. What is something that you are just not very good at, Jarek? Oh, tons of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> tons of stuff. Um, the easiest one would probably be spell checking my slides before giving presentation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so more often than not, I will have some beautiful soul pull me aside and be like, do you know the was spelt wrong on slide five? I'm like, yeah, but did you get the fucking point that I was talking about? <laughs> yeah, since that's what I was trying. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> uh, might want to go review the footage. As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Um, it's currently down this very, very moment, but it should be up in the next few days. JerickRobbins.com, just my main website has everything. Um, the other place to find me, it, just Google me. Find me on social media, specifically if you find me on, on Instagram and come hang out. I put up content every single day, all throughout the day, and we're just pushing good thoughts out into the world. Either one of those places, you'll, you'll find me. Perfect. So by the time this goes live, you're listening right now, head over to jarekrobbins.com. That's J-A-I-R-E-K robbins.com to figure out more about what Jarek does. Follow all of the stuff that he's putting out there. Follow him on social. He's got a lot of great stuff on there, uh, especially Instagram. So Jarek, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. So very welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on Build Your Network. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is a new term to you, or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is, or what it does, or how much they are, how to find one, all those types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free. So there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to travischapel.com to grab that course and start today. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.